So you're going to tell me that you have never taken a like 24-hour vacation somewhere? I mean, I've done some, you know, hot shot pickup and delivery stuff with you. That's about it. So you really didn't think that I was in Florida yesterday? No. I thought those are old pictures from the last time you were down there, honestly. Oops. You, you should know me better than that by now. Like, you figure... Well, that's why I figured these were old pictures and you're screwing with me. Oh, uh, well, I mean, yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I would screw with you, but... Uh... No, I, I really did take a uh, 24-hour vacation, flew down yesterday morning to Tampa, and um, the whole thing, it was just the cards fell together the way they needed to be. Mm. Uh, my daughter wanted to go down and see my mom, who has a house down in Florida, wanted to go down there, and uh, it would have been $100 to send her unescorted. And of course, with her anxiety and things like that, it was much better for me to go with her. Yeah. So her and I hopped on a plane. It was only 60 bucks for me to go along with her. And, uh, you know, we watched, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, uh, on the way down, which the timing was perfect on that. The nice. movie finished just as we landed. That's awesome. So, <laughs> you know, j being jammed in those spirit seats where they, you know, after they get you in and then they throw in the goats and the sheep and the chickens up into the overhead <laughs> compartments. And, you know, I mean, you're, you're definitely flying for fifth class or whatever on nice. that. So, um, but yeah, so we went down, went to the beach, uh, um, stuff like that. Uh, and actually I want to talk a little bit about the rental car Ooh. for a second. So, uh, I don't know if you saw anything about that. No, I didn't, but let's, let's, let's check our intro out and then we'll come back to that. <laughs> It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. They're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Mom typically, when I go down to Florida, she'll drive up the hour and 20 minutes from Sarasota, pick me up in Tampa and, uh, you know, and drop me back off when I leave. But this time, knowing that I was only going to be there for actually less than a 24 hour period, I didn't want to make, you know, my, you know, elderly, I guess is the wrong word to use. I don't think of it that way. old. Yeah, I know. Come on. That's wrong. I didn't want to use that. So <laughs> I told her, I said, I'm just going to rent a car for the day. And I said, it's going to be cheap enough. Well, you know, so I go online, and apparently in the middle of our pandemic, uh, car rentals are non-existent at a lot of airports. They've sold off. Uh, there was a newspaper article about it. I guess they sold off a lot of their fleets. Wow. Uh, so it might be a good time to buy a used rental car if you really want to do that, because I'm not sure I'd want to buy a used rental car. Nah. People flog on those things pretty badly. <laughs> yeah. So I go on and finally I figure out that there's an off-site car rental facility with a known rental car agency. I'm not going to say their name here for uh, protecting myself and the public. <laughs> and uh, uh, so they're like 17 miles off-site. That great of a car, huh? Oh, yeah. So I, I says, all right, uh, I'll just get an Uber and go over to pick up the car because I made the reservation. So I go online. Uh, I don't remember one of the online services that I used and I, okay, what's the cheapest crap box econo beater I can get, you know? 
And they're like, all right, you're getting a Kia Sorento or similar. And I'm like, fine. Can you fit in one of those? I don't know. I'm not even sure what a Kia Sorento is. Isn't it a small SUV or something? Yeah. Is that what it is? small. (laughs) So, you know, so we go and um, we get that. But then I end up calling the rental car place and I says to the lady, I go, uh, hey, do I have to drop this back off at the location or can I just drop it off at Tampa Airport? Because according to Google, you don't open until 8 o'clock in the morning. And she's like, well, I can't give you the Kia and have you drop it back off um, at the airport. She goes, I can give you a different car, though, that I need to get to the airport. Mm. And she goes, it'll be 10 bucks cheaper, too. And I well, says, okay. I said, fine. I said, I don't care what it's going to be. So my Kia Sorento or similar ended up being this. Um, I'm going to pull a picture and show you it here, Like Jenna. a Miata or something, was it? Oh, wow. So a uh, brand spanking new <laughs> 2021 Ford Mustang convertible. Dude. Um, I'm pretty sure it had the big V8 in it, the five liter Coyote yeah. or whatever they're using. It had drag race mode. It had the paddle shifters on the steering wheel. Dude. <laughs> uh, it had all sorts of just crazy goodies in it. Nice. And, you know, I'm a car guy too. So I'm going to have some fun with this thing. Uh-huh. So, of course, we put the top down and, nice. you know, we cruise down to Sarasota. I take my daughter. She had a blast. Uh, it's the first time she's done really long trips in a convertible. Yeah. Weather was perfect for it. We got the radio cranked. You know, we're just having a good old time. Um, but, yeah, you know, the, the sport mode, the drag race mode, um, all of that was really cool. And then. So that was unlocked on yours? What's that? Those modes were unlocked on yours? Yeah, I shut off all of the traction <laughs> control and everything. When I got in, I was That's like awesome. I was like off off off, no traction control. I want sport mode for the steering, <laughs> steering drag race mode for the uh, See, transmission. We, we tried messing with that uh, Keith or your Keith. <laughs> uh, Ed had a rental car for a while. Well, his was getting some repairs done. Uh-huh. And we took it on some test rides. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. And uh, yeah, all of that was disabled. Oh, really? It, we couldn't do anything. It, it sucked. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, no, this thing, as far as I could tell, is completely unlocked because everything would change, you know. And oh, then that's awesome. it was it was It was definitely nice. a, a sporty car. And it just made me realize what a piece of crap my daily driver is because <laughs> everything on this brand new car is tight. Worked and, and didn't leave. Worked. Doesn't make noise. Barely touched the <laughs> gas pedal. And it's like zero to 90 and like, you know, nothing. Yeah. It was it was, it was was fun. It was that's a fun awesome. car. Uh so, you know, we have this thing and... and All right, I'll be honest. How many burnouts did you do while you had it? I actually didn't do any. I thought about it, but... Why um, not? That's like the best part of a loaner car. The best parts uh, of <laughs> having this thing... Mom's subdivision down there, and I think I mentioned it before. Uh, well, you've been in there yeah. once. Um, it has... We took a 16-foot box truck in there once. It has those uh, those speed curve yeah, things... Yeah, I don't like those. ...to keep you from, like... You know, yeah. going too fast, and it says like five miles an hour or something like that. Yeah. Now, when I took a um, a forty two foot trailer through there once, mm. I just jumped those, <laughs> uh, and I I sometimes jump them in the excursion when I'm down there too. I just hit nice. them and I just wham, you know. Well, with the Mustang, uh, I went into those at about forty five miles an hour, oh, slalom oh, style, just whoop, whoop, you know, yeah. back and forth. And that's what I was using those for. Nice. So I'm being told. I mean, I was being safe. I could see that there was no pedestrians out there. I wasn't doing it where kids were playing or anything like that. You're drinking was, light beer, not heavy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, just just doing all that. We, of course, Wheeland does not recommend mixing alcohol with driving of on the road. So then this morning, um, on my way, I had a super, super, super early flight. Um, so I'm coming back, and I, you know, it's it's 
already 85 degrees outside. Ooh. Put the top down, um, you know, crank the tunes. I'm going up I-75. And, you know, I've got it in all the sport modes and stuff. And I'm getting into a little bit of traffic, but not a lot. And so I'm mm. kind of like just zooming in and out of traffic a little bit. You know, probably pushing the limits of the law on a few things. Uh, let's just say that. <laughs> Allegedly. And all of a sudden this big warning comes on the dashboard and it's like, you may need to pull over for a rest break. Uh, you're possibly, because I think it was thinking that wow. with my swerving in and out, it thought I was, <laughs> <That is awesome. laughs> but I'm just cutting in and out of traffic. Well, there was a bunch of like early Sunday morning driver. I mean, it's Florida. Yeah. So, you know, four o'clock in the morning in Florida that you got all the old people out that are getting ready to go to breakfast. Nothing beats the smell of fresh sea air and Ben Gay. What? Ben Gay. That stuff you put on joints when they hurt. Oh, it's a joke about old people. Oh Come my on. God! All right, the Ben. We have nothing thing. against was... the old folks. All but... right, all right. So, uh, so yeah, that was um, uh, that was quite fun. And, and speaking of uh, putting the lotion on the skin, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> um, Mom and I uh, decided while we were down there that we were finally going to do this tattoo thing that we did. And I'm showing you the tattoo right now. You nice. see it, you know, and you, yeah, you, you, awesome. you wanted to know the meaning of this tattoo. Yeah. You want me to get a little bit too. Uh, um, teary-eyed here you need a napkin or anything oh yeah i need a tissue no. if we're gonna get into that come on man i'm a very emotional being come on man <laughs> so i don't know if i if i ever told you this story about my grandma and if i did you can stop me or whatever you can just you can muscle through it but um you well you may have told me but you haven't told them I don't think I have, uh, uh, and if I have, I mean, we've been doing this two years. I, I, you know, a lot of stuff from my noggin comes out, but uh, I wonder at what point in time we're going to start repeating like everything and not realize it. I don't know. Probably at the point when our listeners start telling us about it, they're like, "Hey, you guys already covered that three years ago." What would or... be really funny is if we just recap episode one, like just straight up repeat like the whole thing and not tell anyone. <laughs> We could do that uh, Evil Dead style, basically, like where yeah. they just completely redid Evil Dead 1 for Evil Dead 2. Yeah, that yeah. would be hilarious. We just take the low-budget <laughs> version and make it slightly more budget, but yes. not exactly like high budget? Yes, exactly. Okay, I, exactly. I like the we'll, idea. We'll bring Andrew, the re- uh, producer, out of retirement. And <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like the idea. Um, so my, my grandmother, you met um, uh, before the one that was bedridden. Um, you met her. She passed away about 10 years ago. Maybe. Uh, she had Alzheimer's and, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Uh, it was my mom's mom. And this is not a joke on that, but if I met her, I have forgotten. Okay, all right. Well, uh, she lived at my my parents' home. She she was in a, not a comatose, but they called it like a, a vegetative state for about mm. nine years. But So in one of her last moments of somewhat clarity... Uh, that I remember. She had several after that for about a year, but um, just before she moved from her home up in Grayling, Michigan, where they lived, they lived in Lake Margreth up there. Mm. And uh, I was sitting up there, and we were at the dining room table. It was just Grandma and me. Uh, I don't think there was anybody else there, but uh, and it was a cold, rainy, nasty day. Mm. And it was just, we were looking out the window and over the lake, and you could ba- barely see across the lake because it was just, it was nasty out. And Grandma's just watching out over the lake, you know. And it's a beautiful sight, but it's not, you know, it's just a ugh, day, you know. <laughs> Michigan, Michigan, bad weather, spring day, you know. And she uh, she just said, spurts out, uh, isn't that the most beautiful sailboat you've ever seen? Mm. And I go, I look out the window and I'm like, what? What? I don't see a sailboat. And she's, she's, she's like, yeah, the sailboat out there on the water. And I'm like, 
what sailboat grandma and she starts describing it to me and she's like oh it's got the sails open and the wind and it's just the sun the way it's hitting the boat and it's just beautiful and she's Hmm. telling me all about this beautiful sight she's seeing obviously uh it was only it was one of two things um either her mind was so fried at that point that she was you know delirious and Mm -hmm. not seeing reality or she was seeing into another dimension slash universe um, could it have been a reflection of something on another wall no no okay. uh she was definitely having a vision that oh. i was not part, part of. of okay um but the thing is is my grandmother um on that side i my entire life uh she i don't remember ever saying a nasty word um I, i've seen her like frustrated a few times but yeah. i never saw her upset never yell never cuss never swear um she was one of the kindest people i've ever known mm. And when her mind started to slip, uh, she, like many Alzheimer's patients, uh, unfortunately, as their mind starts to slip, they, they get so frustrated internally that they get nasty with people and they get mean and they get, and, and you know, and it doesn't always happen that way. But with her, yeah. her mind went to beautiful places and it was always, oh, wow. and it was always, you know, beautiful things. And she'd talk, talk about the children, talk about the beautiful sight she was seeing and things like that. So... That always stuck with me that she had, that her mind had said, See the beauty in the darkness. See the, see the beauty in that. And so I had wanted to do something with a sailboat for a tattoo for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, about a month ago, maybe three, four weeks ago, I'm driving to work and uh, all of a sudden, and I'm just listening to the radio. I'm not paying any attention. I'm not thinking about tattoos. I'm not thinking about sailboats, anything. All of a sudden, it hit me like a truck. This just thought in my head that said, Get the sailboat tattoo on your wrist. And I go, well, where did that come from? And you, you think you Her. you can't think it came from upstairs? <laughs> well, yeah, the proverbial upstairs. Oh, okay. Assuming she went there. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I would assume if there is one. Um, I don't know. Uh, and so a higher I, power, we'll call it that. <laughs> so I got a hold of, I thought you were pointing at the second or third floor. Um, I mean, maybe. But. I I don't know if I, she was ever in this house. No, she wasn't, <laughs> um, as far as I know. I uh, So I, I got a hold of my mom. And I said, hey, I said, do me a favor. I says, um, and I told her the story. Uh, I told her before. I actually told it at my grandmother's wake, that story of the sailboat thing. And I says, um, do me a favor. I want you to find a sailboat that would make a good tattoo. Um, and I want you to find one that you think your mom would have thought was beautiful. Or an image that your mom would have thought was beautiful. And so... She went and she started Googling things and looking up pictures and she eventually found this image of, you know, really there's not a lot of detail to the sailboat. It's it's a small sailboat, but as you see in the tattoo, it's kind of sh- swirled around in almost like a, 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 I don't know if it's like a yin-yang kind of type of thing, but hmm. then you got the, 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 um, uh, the moon, moon or the star up in the yeah. top and she said, I really like this and I like how dreamlike it is. And with mom's yeah. mind being in a dreamlike type of stance, she goes, I really like this. And I said, okay. I said, well, I'm going to get that one then. And she goes, well, I'm going to get that one with you too. Nice. And I says, are you sure? And she says, oh yeah. I've been, she says, I got a tattoo with your brother and with Stephanie. She goes, I never got one with you. Hmm. So, uh, she had a tattoo artist that had done her last one that she really liked down there in Florida. And, um, 
So I called up and, you know, we texted back and forth and some pictures and images and stuff. And we made an appointment. Um, cool. Mom got the same tattoo, but with a ton of color in it. Mm. I'm more of a black and gray guy, but the, I did get color for the first time around the star. Huh. Um, I got some purple. And the reason I did that is purple is the color that represents Alzheimer's awareness. So oh, wow. I, I told him, I said, somehow I want you to integrate just a touch of purple. I said, I don't want the whole thing to be yeah. purple. I said, I just want just a little bit of purple in there for that. So, and to me, this tattoo, because being on my wrist here, um, always is going to represent, um, to try to look for the kindness in life and to be kind and to be, you know, so it's kind of, so that's why I, I want like to write on the wrist. I didn't want it hidden on a shoulder or back. Yeah. It's my first visual one. I've got other tattoos, but it's the first one that like is always out as long as I'm wearing a t-shirt yeah. or something. And, um, so you, I got some I'll mention in a bit, but. And just one last, just one last thing with it. The um, the placement. Um, I was undecided even on the flight whether I was doing the right or the left wrist. And I I'd said to my daughter Abby, I says, yeah, I think I'm gonna get my right wrist because um, I've got my medical alert bracelet for my heart condition on the left. And um, yeah, I said, so I think I might just get it over here. And not that I can't change the bracelet, you know, which mm -hmm. as you can see I did. Yeah. Um, and she uh, she says, well, you should get it on your left. And I says, why is that? And she goes, well, it's closer to your heart. I said, all right, at that point, it's getting, it's going on my left wrist. So, so the whole thing was just one of those, you know, yeah. the, the, the stars aligned on it and the rest of the trip, um, you know, we went out to dinner. Uh, it looks like we had a great, great time at the tattoo parlor. Cool place. I'm going to do a shout out to Liberty Tattoo down there in Sarasota, Florida. Drew there did the, both of our tattoos. Um, nice. super cool dude, very talented artist. Um, and, uh, the tattoo, uh, part of, I mean, very tasteful inside, a lot of cool artwork and stuff, but then there are the tattoo artists are into bikes. And so they had all their motorcycles nice. parked inside the tattoo oh, shop. That's awesome. So you're walking up and down, there's like some rat bikes and some really cool bikes and nice. uh, neat place to go. Uh, very fair prices too. I thought being in, in a tourist area that they were going to be higher. Like yeah. when, we, when Stephanie got the one in LA, but, uh, no, I mean, price is comparable to what we have here in Michigan. Nice. So I was, I was really 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 pleased with the place i almost made a horrible decision about a project motorcycle a few weeks ago that would not have been a horrible decision it would have been a great decision uh, it was in a flooded basement in detroit what kind of motorcycle harley sportster how much uh i think it was a grand oh it it, it was it was rough <laughs> i want to build a dirtster all i need is a frame in a in a motor and a trans basically uh it, i mean you can see they had one of the covers off the side and it, it was trashed it would have been a lot of work to restore this thing. I'm not looking to restore it. I'm looking to get it running and put some knobby tires on it. I don't know if the engine would have run. It would have needed a total, full, complete rebuild. Well, if it didn't sell, send me a link or something. It's, it did. Oh, it's old? Yeah, I was messaging the guy back and forth a little bit. And uh, he's like, well, this one's, you know, pending, but I've got another one. That was even worse condition. Mm. Um, one day. Sportster's but... too small for you anyways. I mean, you got to start on yeah. smaller bikes, but uh, you're a big guy to ride a Sportster. Yeah. If you're going to ride a small bike. I want bike... an old classic. You know, I would love a project because I like the idea of just like a rat bike yeah. kind of thing. Something that I can, you know, mismatch parts or whatever. I don't care. I just like the idea of an old bike. I don't like a lot of the new ones with all the plastic crap. That's that's where I'm at. And a couple of the bikes yeah. they had there were just a little bit of metal and like the chain drives completely open. You know, yeah, just really that's, cool that's, bikes. Yeah, something that's you know real sketchy by today's safety standards. You said you're going to show me something, or so it's just a quote. A friend of mine got this in a fortune cookie, and she put on Facebook was looking for some explanations. I put my interpretation. I want to get yours. All right. Is this something she's going to get as a tattoo? No, no, no. This straight up came as a, a fortune cookie in their dinner after I, Chinese. I can't read it from there. I know. I'm going to read it. Oh, okay. 
So it says, hardly anyone knows how much is gained by ignoring the future. So my take on that is kind of live in the moment, you know, don't stress and worry about the future. Well, absolutely, because <laughs> um, the future's not written. Yeah. And exactly. um, live, enjoy what you have, you know, kind of deal with it until you get there. <laughs> unless you subscribe to the idea of a cyclical universe and we've all done this at one point or another and there's all and the fates written in the stars or you you believe in the whole yeah. uh god thing and, and god says every single moment that you're going to uh he's got a pre-planned you know he knows that tomorrow you're gonna um you know pull out a piece of gum and chew it or you know he knew that last yeah. uh Sunday after podcasting, I was going to trip in my own uh, living room after drinking too much moonshine that you gave me and break my toe. Thank you so much. Uh, I saw that post. You never answered when I said what happened. When we were you, it, you were there when it happened. Uh, we were upstairs. We were up there at the counter. We we had come back from Dan's, and um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But we had come back from Dan's. And we were getting into some snacks and stuff, yeah. and I walked over. Thank you again to Stephanie for the pistachios; those were amazing. Oh, okay, yeah. That's and uh, I, uh, I've got that that strip that goes uh, the transition strip between the yeah. kitchen and the, and it sometimes catches on my socks and stuff. And I, it didn't rip a sock or anything, but I, I just managed to like catch the transition strip. Yeah. And I kind of stumbled, and I went toe forward, and I and I felt a pop Ooh. in my toe. But it felt like a knuckle cracking, like which you can crack your toe knuckles. And I was like, oh, okay, this is nothing, you know. But mind you, I was hopped up on a half a bottle of moonshine and <laughs> seven Miller lights and some rum. Um, and uh, in all fairness, only half the moonshine was my responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the next morning, or actually in the middle of the night, I wake up and my toe is just throbbing. Yeah. And um, I knew right away. And the next morning, it was black as could be. And. Uh, mm. By the next day, it had the the blackness had gone down into the foot, and it had, the that Holy toe hell. looked like it had beat up the two toes next to it had turned oh. black as well too. So good luck. Um, now it looks a lot better, but it's still sore, and I'm I'm walking with a limp still. But yeah, I managed to break my own toe. I, I've broken toes before, and I know what yeah. a broken toe feels like, and they can't do anything for them. But um, so does this mean no more moonshine for Keith? No, but oh, okay, um, <laughs> you know I've got ten toes, and you know they, they all can haul right. one one down nine to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know. The first time I, I think it was the first time I broke a toe. I was in the Atlantic Ocean, uh, drunk on. Um, I've heard this one on uh, those weird coconut yeah. drinks, and uh, it's a whole other story of a day. But yeah, I broke one down there too. So I, maybe drinking and breaking toes is a thing for me. So I, I don't know, but um, steel toe boots from now on. Yeah, well, well, that might break all of them. Yeah, maybe, who knows? Maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so um, well, I'll, I'll beg us up. Speaking of Dan's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we had promised in our after show last week a, an interview with Dan on his project. Um, as they've probably gathered by now, we kind of had a few too many beverages of refreshment over there to do so. <laughs> yeah, and I could tell Dan wasn't super keen on the idea of uh, like he he would probably sit in studio and talk to us, but yeah. the idea of recording in the in the shop and stuff and his yeah, mind was wrapped good. around some difficulties of the project at the oh, time. I, I totally understand that, but he he I mean that was an incredible job. You know the lift he I don't uh, I was a TerraFlex lift I think he said. Well, so here's the deal, and that's some one of the things I wanted to talk to um, you know and and mention. And by all means, this isn't a criticism of Dan, but it's a uh, something that I've seen multiple times when people put together, uh, especially with newer, um, like, four-linked vehicles, mm. uh, such as your, uh, basically your new solid axle trucks, like your Super Duties and your Dodges, and then your Jeeps, uh, your Jeep Wranglers. Um, he did use a TerraFlex lift, but he used, he mixed and matched some components, some shocks, and some... Mm. Uh, 
uh, I believe some track bars and stuff like that from other lifts. Yeah. Or from other components. And as you saw, he was getting into some um, binding situations and mm. some situations where things weren't lined up quite perfectly and he was modifying. He had some lean to the right. He was trying to figure out and we still don't have exactly what was going on. Yeah. Um, now we're only talking very, very minor dialing issues that yeah. were not you know, most people would probably not even notice them, but Dan's a perfectionist with this stuff. I understand. And um, I did the same thing on mine, mixing different brands of parts. And it doesn't work with the lift kits all the not time. Not always. No, no. I, it, I ran into a few issues with mine. Exactly. And, I you just, know, that's something. I didn't care. <laughs> well, and sometimes it works, but a lot of times when you start mixing that with your bolt-on stuff, yeah. it's... Uh, um, yeah, mine know, was so custom-fabbed at that point, it didn't matter. His is all bolt-on you know new essentially exactly and what dan's working with there i think we mentioned it before um he has a was it 12 or 13 maybe it's a little newer than that but a rubicon rock track yeah uh and uh, it's four-door uh rubicon unlimited he ended up uh going to 35s on it uh doing about a what what did he say it was about four inch lift two and a half i thought oh it was a i thought it was more mild lift he didn't have the tires on yet so it looked pretty high uh yeah well it was on a um Hoist. Yeah, I was on a hoist as well. <laughs> he did the, uh, I think it's a Terraflex kit to put the, um, was the third, control arms. Well, also the third yeah. burrow passenger so he can have the oh, yeah, two door yeah, yeah. JK uh, rear seat in it. So now it's a seven yeah, that's, passenger that's, Wrangler. That's cool. I didn't know you could do that on those. That's pretty sweet. I did that on my old orange JK nice. and it's a really nice setup. Uh, my only complaint about it is uh, that it, um, if you're running the factory hardtop, you can't run the headrests. So uh, uh, I would say that that third row seat option really needs to be left for small children where their heads are not up over the back of the seat. Or really short people. Or really short people, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it, it was a it was a sweet little uh, put together there. Oh, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. We fought with that soft top for probably, what, an hour between three of us trying to figure out how to attach oh, that thing. Man. Brand new soft <laughs> top, Lord. factory soft top, had never been installed. It was new, new old. in the box since 2013. Yeah, new old stock. Never taken out the box. Very, very stiff. And it was cold. Yeah, it was not a <laughs> Which hot. Which was our first mistake. It was not a hot day, hot summer day off. No. Uh, heated shop but not he didn't have the heat on um and i don't think you can get cranked high enough in there to actually make a difference with the top Eh, not long enough no probably not yeah and uh it was just uh we wrestled with it we ended up having to unbolt the half unbolt yeah a bunch of pieces latches front latches and it was it was it was a neat setup yeah we got it and man did that look sharp when it was done very good looking That's, Jeep. I, I've always liked the bumpers and the hood on those. The, I I love them with the uh, with the fitted soft tops, so the ones that kind of fit to the rails. I've just I've always loved the look of that. It just looks like a Hummer to me that way, or a Humvee rather. Oh yeah, and I just I love that look in it. But that one wasn't fitted to the roll bars. That no, one, but it had that that rear uh, angle to it though. Yeah, well, it was factory, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was a factory one. I, I liked it. It was yeah. Oh, it was sharp. Uh, you know, and, and I with the lift and those beefy shocks, that front track bar. Holy hell, that was nuts. I wish I remembered the name of the company. He said he got that locally. It was made here in Michigan. Yeah, and, um, I know he's looking at it was an adjustable front track bar. He's going to match the rear to that. 
That is a beefy bar. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be bending that off-road anytime soon. No, if he's bending that, that, that thing's totaled. <laughs> he did the uh, truss kits on the axles, yep. um, and they're very, very nice-looking pieces. They were some nice kits, yeah. I, I've looked at a few different trusses for stuff I've done before, and they they were just too expensive for me at the time and all that. Uh, I don't remember the prices he paid. Uh, no, I think it was like 300 bucks for both kits shipped. Not bad at all. Not at uh, all. He's a heck of a welder, so yes. everything looked really. It looked you know, factory. I mean, it was he did very a fantastic install. job with it for sure. Had those dimpled, uh, dimpled die um, holes on them, and yeah. Although I did find out on UA because uh, we had a similar kit, different brand, similar kit on the JK we ran that uh, those openings in there they trap a lot of mud. I believe it. Yeah, that's, that, uh, that'd be my biggest concern with it. So if you're if you're gonna do a lot of mud wheeling, uh, I don't know if you want to have if that's an option or yeah. if they just have them. You, you got to blow it out with some. Uh, the ones power I washer. was looking at were a little more solid. I know that that was a little bit more formed, uh, like flatter or um, like tube steel. Yeah, the ones I was looking at were all plate. Okay, a lot more welding, but I I feel personally it'd be a lot stronger, a lot easier to clean and keep clean. So yeah. that's if I ever do that. Yeah, I've had a thought lately. Yeah, what the hey, I'll share it. Uh, so I'm going through everything I am to get the Cherokee back up and running and get it on the road. Okay. Uh, basically, the Pegasus, the Wrangler is going to come off the road for a little bit. Uh, depending how fast I get this done, you know, I've always tossed up the idea of making it an off-road only rig. So doing more lift and uh, like one ton axle swap. Okay. So I've... Kind of give it a little more thoughts to doing that on the uh, on the on J- the Wrangler, the Wrangler, yeah, yeah, making it an off road only rig. I support um, this. I mean, the body's shot. I could, I'll call it half ass repair that, and not have to worry about a lot of the metal work and doing a tub sure. swap and everything. So the thoughts there. I don't think I'll do it not yet, at least. You know, a lot of it just depends on well, a lot of things. But I think that might be kind of cool. <laughs> Absolutely, I think you should. So. Uh, and then the Cherokee can be your tow rig. Yeah. Oh, that. I mean, it would do yeah, well. No, with the I, just, I don't think your Cherokee's <laughs> gonna tow a big heavy. <laughs> no, it's, it's too short. Not. Yeah. I tried towing it would with not mine. Be ideal. No. No, you'd want to tow with a truck or something. Yeah. But, um, well, I'm gonna have the Cyber Truck remember. Oh so there well, we go. I hope you do. I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And then to... if the battery dies, I can just swap them out and keep going. There you go. <laughs> I. Uh, you know. I know we um, have not played on numbers for a long time, but this is episode 87. This is indeed. And you know you know what 87 is, right? The year before I was born. The year before you were born. Yeah. Oh, so is next year, uh, or is next episode Johnny Johnny Orange's uh, birthday episode? I mean, it's a little early for that. Oh, okay. But... <laughs> uh, 1987 um, was actually a, a, a big turning point in um, Jeep history. I, sh- I feel I should know this. I know we've talked about it. Well, it's for it's for several reasons, actually. Huh. And maybe you can talk to the technical stuff in a minute here, but uh, 87 was when um, Chrysler took over AMC. Okay. So all your, your Jeep I brand... I remember that from my notes. <laughs> so your, your Jeep brand in 87 uh, went over to Chrysler, and now so you ended up... The AMC was done in 87. Yeah. And um, immediately, Chrysler started to institute some changes into the platform and to change things around. But um, 
87 was the introduction of the YJ Wrangler. Okay. So that's a big Jeep history point yeah. there. Uh, square headlights. Popular, yeah. <laughs> unpopular and popular. I mean, the yeah. YJ was, was popular in some ways because it was starting to get a little more refined. Yeah, but the square headlights people did not like. They did not. Ugh. But 87 was also the first year in the XJ only for Renix fuel injection. Oh, 86. I, about, I thought it was 86 for some reason. 86 is when you could get the AMC. All those AMC, weird V6 things. Well, no, yes. the a four, few of those weird options. You get the 2.8 V6 and all that. But the um, in 86, uh, they had put on the Cherokee, on the four-cylinder only, you could get AMC's, it was something like their engine management control system, fuel injection or something, hmm. that was discontinued almost immediately by Chrysler. They ran it for like a year or two on the four cylinders only. But in 87, on the four liter, which was introduced, that's another thing, introduction of the four liter. Yeah. Uh, for 87 XJ only, not the YJ. Uh, they used the XJ as the te test platform <laughs> for that. Nice. Um, you got the four liter fuel injected um, straight six with the Renix. Now, I, I don't have much experience with the Renix. I know you've messed with it a little bit. Um, Just a, a little bit as far as what I need to do to make everything work on my build. I've heard that it, I've heard pros and cons. I've heard that they have um, like uh, wiring harness issues and stuff, but a little bit. Um, I know one of the common write-ups there, there's a, a website and I, I can't remember the name of it. But it's it's called like the Renix Bible or something to that oh, effect. Oh, okay. It's a whole website dedicated to what to do to make the Renix engines better or run more efficiently. Uh, one of the biggest modifications, they call it the C106 Eliminator. So if you have about a day and a half, you know, a mile of shrink tubing and a soldering iron. You get rid of the, the Jeep main Commander. Body connector. No. <laughs> Commando. Commando. And that was a C101 and 104, not oh. 106. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> so you get the, you get rid of the main body it's, connector. Yeah, it was some issue in the connector. There's something like 80 pins or something like that in it. Uh-huh. And you it basically, it was after that, I think it was 89 or 90, they eliminated the connector, and that solved a lot of problems. Okay. Uh, I know there's some grounding points. I, I've skimmed over it, you know, for the simple stuff. Yeah. Grounding points to clean up that just made issues with the fuel pump, which okay. is literally a little piece of sandpaper, reinstall the screw. Okay. Real simple stuff. Well, that's something else. I've heard it was a fairly simple fuel injection system yeah. as well, even though it was still a multi-port fuel injection. Yeah, it's it's still got the six injectors on it like the late model 4.0s do. It's got a funky throttle body, three bolts instead of four. Um, I, I've upgraded you know, to the late model uh, intake manifold and everything, so I'm adapting everything to use that stuff well i know in uh 87 that was that was pretty uh state-of-the-art stuff because most of oh, your yeah. um fuel injection at that point and most manufacturers by 87 were switching over or had switched over to fuel injection but most of them were throttle body fuel injection yeah so you know here they they were playing at the edge of technology amc had started to design it in i believe it was with um some partnership with Renault still out of France. I'm yep. not 100% sure on that, but um, it was a, you know, it was really state-of-the-art stuff. And 87 it's, was a, a big turning point for Jeep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of ex additional adjustments on this stuff. Like the, the actual throttle position sensor, there's adjustments on that the late model stuff didn't have. Okay. So the late model, the computers took over a lot more of that calculations. 
these are relatively simple. Yeah, I've heard they're they're kind of a dialable fuel injection system. Yeah, which is awesome, and I've got to learn how to do a lot of that stuff still. I know there's a, a number of guys out there, and I would love it if any of you are listeners and big fans of the Renix system, and you want to put some uh, pointers out on 4x4 Talk on Facebook, uh, on the group, on the 4, 4x4 Talk Facebook group, because um, other people would like to learn it. But I know that, that a number of the Jeep guys, and, and it's starting to, to wane off now, but 10, 15 years ago when XJs were still plenty to be had that weren't rust buckets in the $500 to $1,000 hmm. range, Yeah, I knew a number of guys where they were specifically looking for Renix 4.0 XJs um, and, and then your flavor of automatic or manual transmission. But yeah. they wanted that couple-year period right there because they said that they could tune it and they could play with it more than some of the newer stuff. Yeah. And they didn't want the old, of course, the 2.8 V6s or the four-cylinders. One of the other nice things about them... Uh, so this goes if you're an engine builder or if you want to build a stroker engine. So the, the original 4.0 blocks, the Renix series blocks, they had a lot thicker cylinder walls and a higher nickel content in the actual casting alloys. Oh, I didn't know that. So you can actually bore those over and get more power out of those old blocks than you can out of the newer 4.0 blocks. And what you're talking about is when they put the 258 straight six crank in the 4.0 and so then they make the 4.7 uh, stroker. Yeah, that. so that one, what is that? It makes it like a 4.2 or a 4.5. Just by swapping the four, I think it's the four two crank, and then the, I never remember which way it goes. It's either pistons from the four zero, the rods from the four two, or the other way around, and that like bolts in. You need a little spacer for the harmonic balancer pulley in the front. You would need the rods and the crank from. The, I I can tell you that you would need the rods and the crank from the two fifty eight, which is the four two. Yeah, because then the piston size is different for the four zero, I believe. It's it's something to deal with the, the length of the stroke. Yeah, that's what you're doing. The rod in the in the crank is what would change the stroke, but then you need to have the proper side pist size piston for the block. So if you're using the piston, should be the same size. No, I, I believe I'd, the four zero has got remember. a bigger bore. I think that could be it. Then I, I could be wrong. Um, I haven't. I've never done a Jeep I've, stroke I've or motor. I've only looked into it a couple times because I had access to a four two that I was going to take the parts from to do this at one point. Yeah, uh, and then it sold, so I, I stopped researching it. But that's whatever that is. You can get. I think it's it's a lot of power out of that just bolting it in. Yeah, and then if you bore everything up, you know, you, you start doing forced air induction or any of that kind of stuff, you can crank some insane power out of these. Out of country, they made they actually made stroker versions of that engine, yeah. but they the U.S. didn't see them, um, and that's why people knew that we could start doing this and stuff. And there was a, I think I shared it on Four by Four Talk a while back. There was a, a, a video I found of these guys. They got like almost a thousand horsepower out of a four zero. Wow! Now what they did to get that was insanity. <laughs> well, I imagine. But I imagine it was cool. Uh, the I mean, the there's, largest there's power to be had in these. Things, the largest sure. I've ever seen um, when Borden stroked out to was five liter, and I've heard rumors of someone doing it all the way up to five point two. But yeah, Edelbrock uh, makes a, a five zero head to flow enough, you know, fuel and air mix and all that in it. Yeah, I know that you can do the, all the way up to five yeah. liter now with it. And that's yep. uh, it's yeah, it's insane. <laughs> and that's, and that's expensive stuff. That Edelbrock head oh, is not cheap. No, no, uh, it is not. But uh, the weight savings on it, I think, is like one hundred twenty pounds or something yeah. like that. It's, it's a that, big weight the, savings. I I looked into it like the roller rockers and for what i have now it wouldn't do me any good no i mean but. at that point i mean unless you're just an absolute jeep faithful you might be better <laughs> going to an ls motor or Pro, i mean something. i'm not ruling out i won't do it at some point just because i can yeah but 
you know, I mean, if Edelbrock wants to sponsor, you know, sure. the 4 build, I would gladly do it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, there, there's a lot of power to be had from a lot of tuning and tweakability. The only thing I haven't figured out how it's supposed to work is there's only one oxygen sensor. And I, I know the whole idea with oxygen sensors, it measures, you know, before cat and after cat measurement. Well, the early systems, I didn't. No, and that that's what I, like I said, I'm still learning a lot about yeah some of this stuff so i haven't figured that one out yeah a lot of uh, the early fuel injection systems were a single o2 sensor and if I know i'm that. not mistaken i know they really need to have that in there so yeah. I, I am putting it back in um which is going to be interesting how it's going to work with that in because i'm running the late model cylinder head an intake manifold an exhaust manifold so that location is going to be in a different spot ah so it's gonna be interesting to see what i'm gonna to have to do to make it work i'm surprised that you haven't uh determined that you're gonna build an all aluminum um 40 straight six <laughs> yeah i don't have that kind of money <laughs> uh because you could use an early amc aluminum block um because they actually had the 258 hmm. uh you know aluminum block when they were in the ramblers and uh, it's the same engine architecture, but I did look into it quite a bit when I wrote the article for the dispatcher. Yeah. Uh, the cylinder bolt heads are off by like three quarters of an inch. Hmm. So you would literally have to probably start with, and, and weirdly enough, those those early couple-year-only aluminum block engines had a cast iron head on them. Huh. So what you would need to do is you'd have to have the aluminum block and then either weld and machine the block or the Edelbrock head to then accept the pattern of the other one. It, it, it's it's theoretically hmm. doable, but it would be hmm. um, quite a bit of work, you know? Yeah. It'd, it'd be, be kind of cool, though, and it'd be lightweight, yeah. all aluminum. It's one of those things, like, why would you do it? But, I mean... Again, if anyone would like to sponsor the build, we'll do it. <laughs> and then there's the challenge of the aluminum blocks did have a different bell housing bolt pattern on the back of them. Yeah. Well, so there's we can some, talk to Chad on that there's, Yeah, there's some machining or custom adapters from Quick Draw yeah, or we'll something. we'll have him make one. <laughs> yeah, one-off. Uh, I mean, at that point with the stuff he's making these days, maybe he could just start making aluminum four-liter blocks. Hmm. You know, not hmm. that there's a big market for that, but maybe he could. I mean... So, Chad, if you want to make an aluminum 4.0 block based off an original Renix design so we can bore out the <laughs> cylinders more, let's build us a badass wheeling. Well, you wouldn't bore it out. Aluminum blocks be sleeved with steel cylinders. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so Ooh. just make it big. Oh. And then if you want to even really play with it, um, stagger the cylinders uh, like they do on the race engines and then some Not of the newer stuff. With that. So instead of the cylinders all being in line, they stagger them by a couple of degrees so mm. they can actually get a. Because, you know, you got two, you know, you take like, here, give me your water bottle over there. So you got two cylinders that are next to each other and you got yeah. that thin little gap between them because your pistons, you know, you need to have that material. Yeah. Um, what they will do on a lot of race engines and stuff like that is they stagger them like this. Oh. And so you can get so many hundreds of thousands over for the size yeah. of the piston so if you made a four liter block and you um offset and, and you offset it like you know eighth of an inch or something like that you might be able to go like two hundred thousandths over or something on your piston size but now you're hmm. talking custom pistons unless you find something custom pistons probably custom crank well no the crank and everything would still be the same um but the uh you would have to find uh, a piston either that's a stock application that would fit it or you'd have to go to like molly or um 
uh, or Egg Machine or something like that to have a custom. And and hmm. believe it or not, Egg Machine and Molly will do custom pistons pretty reasonably priced. So you just hmm. got to give them all the specs. Um, we need like a benefactor for this show so we can just start building this crap. No, oh, I know. I tell you what, but I mean, it's it's cool bench racing idea yeah. in your mind. I mean, it would be really fun to to build the world's first all aluminum, and then at that point, maybe make it a you know, like a five 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 six five eight liter <laughs> uh, Jeep Straight Six. You know, architecture. That would be sweet. Show so. up to a drag race in like a CJ two or something. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you what, Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome. Why not? Um, but yeah, so that, like I said, 87 was just kind of a big, um, big year there and uh, they did a lot of interesting stuff, uh, and switched over and we've talked about a lot of the history of that before. So we don't need to get deep into the history. If people are interested, go back into our old episodes. I can't tell you off the top of my head, which ones were our our straight six history episodes and that one I don't AMC I just, and stuff like that. I, I know the XJ's episode 10. It's the only one. I okay. Know. Well, that's Still popular. Most popular. Episodes. Yeah. So that's a popular yeah. episode. You know, people want to go back and do that. Yeah. But, um, John, um, you got anything else you want to talk about on this, on this episode? No, I mean, I think we covered everything we set out to at least. Yeah. Maybe even a little so, bit more, but, uh, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> um, uh, you know, once again, we always like talking about that uh, that Jeep history stuff. And if uh, anyone's interested, not just Jeep, but all off-road vehicles, if anybody's interested in talking to us more or even meeting uh, at least one of the cast members in person here. Cat, I love it. I just used the word cast member. <laughs> one of our reviews, a guy actually called us cast members, yeah. and all of a sudden, so it's stuck in my head. But um, one of the hosts, co-hosts. one of the one of the co-hosts, <laughs> uh, I do uh, work at the Museum of Off-Road Adventure. Uh, we are going to be opening back up, and I believe I don't want to officially say on the on the podcast right now, um, but because uh, we are still technically by appointment only but i believe our regular hours are going to be starting on friday evenings again cool um and probably this friday we're gonna i'm gonna see how things go and if anyone's interested in checking out the museum of off-road adventure in clay township michigan in person um call 877 fwd mora m-o-r-a uh great place to uh learn about off-road vehicle history i'm there i can talk your ear off uh, about (laughs) these i'd love to hear about your builds whatever you're doing uh your restorations or just you know old four by fours and jeeps or whatever that grandpa had 40 years ago if you want to share some of those details make sure to check out our facebook group four by four talk uh 4x4 talk in your search bar a couple quick questions gets you on the page Post some of those pictures, talk about, you know, what you're building, what it means to you, if there's a meaning, or you just wanted to do it because it's cool. You know, share some of that and get input from other people, from us, interact with us and everybody else. So, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, make sure to check out our Patreon, too, patreon.com slash radio. Access is those $2 a month. You'll get to hear a lot of bonus content that we talk about all the time. Uh, some cool special mem- or access only stuff. We do have a lot of public stuff available right now for free. So check that out if you like it. Sign on up for the month to month and go from there. Sounds good, John. What so, do you say you want to do now? Well, I'm going to add one last thing here. Um, so on our recording session here, is, today is my dad's birthday. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's 66 today. Well, so happy, happy birthday, birthday to Johnny Orange Sr. I, I know you don't listen to the show. Um, we'll teach you how to use this app on your phone at some point. He, so he doesn't want to hear your voice more than he already does? I, can you blame him? Well, all right. <laughs> so with that, we'll say thanks for listening and have a good one, everybody. 